This is Ticker Symbol U, a podcast focused on highlighting advanced technologies that are transforming our lives and disrupting their competitors in the process. My name is Alex, and I'm definitely not a financial advisor. I'm just a nerd that loves sharing my personal vision of the future and putting my money where my mouth is. To learn more, find me at tickersymbolu.com or youtube.com slash tickersymboluyou. Let's start with this. The legacy auto industry is starting to collapse right in front of our very eyes, and we need to talk about it. Look, I'm a pretty dry and boring guy. My idea of a good time is making spreadsheets about stocks. This channel is all about advanced technologies, market trends, and the publicly traded companies that are succeeding because of them. I'm not here to be sensational, and I'm not here to exaggerate anything. So here's what's going on. Every month, ARK Invest releases a video called In the Know with Kathy Wood, where she talks about advanced technologies, market trends, and the publicly traded companies that are succeeding because of them. If you've ever watched one of those, you'll know that Kathy Wood isn't trying to be sensational, and she's not exaggerating anything either. I've mentioned lumber. Uh, Since May, it's dropped 64%. Copper, 15%. Iron ore, think China in particular, down 51%. See what I mean? Well, in this latest episode, Kathy Wood literally spells out her entire view on the collapse of legacy automakers. Even though ARK Invest typically focuses on five years from now, she's talking about things that are happening today, based on data that's available today, on companies that we can invest in or avoid today. So first, I'm going to show you what she said without interruption. Showing my sources is important to me. Since Kathy Wood covered a wide variety of topics in that episode, I've edited it down to just the parts that focus on legacy auto. While you listen to it, try to keep in mind what the same information means for a company like Tesla, which is ARK Invest's biggest position today. After the clip, I'll summarize what she said and add context where I think it's valuable, as well as share my own personal opinion on all of this. As always, timestamps are enabled for your convenience, and I'll see you after this clip. We believe that the next big worry is going to be recession. We don't necessarily believe there will be one, uh, but uh, if we're right on what's going on, inventories are starting to build up. Um, We've been saying for some time that the inventories in the system are much, much higher than I think most people appreciate. But where are they if they're not in the auto dealer lots? Uh, Well, they're in our garages and in our driveways. Everyone knows the familiar story of stocking up on paper goods. We're not going to have to buy them for quite some time. So uh, a lot of inventories are in um, households. And now that the consumer is shifting away from goods uh, at the margin to services, um, there will be too much inventory, we believe, on the shelves. I think analysts are beginning to sniff out uh, this excess inventory and the loss of demand as as consumers move from goods at the margin, of course, uh, to services. Uh, well, the market is really worried about inflation. Um, and one of the reasons, and again, this is uh, in the headlines quite a bit as well, Uh, are supply chain shortages. Uh, And uh, some of those are real. We do believe the chip shortage is real. But we also believe that this notion that businesses were caught flat-footed when they shut down, they just shut down, and then with stimulus checks, 
the consumer took off. Uh, businesses have been scrambling uh, for the last year to catch up uh, with consumers. And to do so, we believe there has been a lot of double and triple ordering, uh, ordering more than their forecasts, their own forecasts suggested would be necessary. And uh, I think this is especially true in the chip sector uh, and specifically in the auto sector. And that's the industry in trying to explain the collapse in its sales here in the United States from uh, roughly 18 and a half million uh, cars sold to, that was in April, to it looks like uh, 12.3, something like that uh, in, uh, in September. I mean, that's, that's a, a recession-like decline. Well, one of the reasons that's happening is there was a lot of pre-buying last year uh, in, in an effort to avoid mass transit. Uh, there was a huge rebound in the auto sector. It was a much sharper rebound than we've seen coming out of any other recession, uh, including 08, 09. Uh, so there was a lot of pre-buying. And, and when I say the inventory pileup is in the garage and the driveway, uh, that, that's what I mean. Uh, we are hearing from a number of companies, uh, uh, Lisa Sue at AMD, Elon Musk, uh, both are saying, and then actually today GM said that they see the chip shortage, um, loosening up here. Uh, and my guess is, uh, we're going to find out um, from uh, price declines in chips just how much excess inventory uh, there is out there. So I, I don't think the chip shortage is going to be uh, with us much longer. I will bet as analysts are uh, putting pen to paper or doing their spreadsheets uh, that they are beginning to put two and two together. Um, I know that Bernstein was out in the last week or so saying, wait a minute, the shipment of chips into the auto industry is much stronger than uh, the production uh, levels we're seeing now, uh, and, the, and certainly the sales levels. Uh, so analysts are beginning uh, to, to get the plot, I think. Now, on the auto sector, I would say the other thing that's happening is that now that uh, consumers have bought that car and don't have to take tra mass transit, we're probably looking at a situation where the next car that consumers will want to buy is electric. I think that that might be a part of what's going on with this dramatic decline in auto sales from 18 and a half million to 12 million at an annual rate uh, in the last month. I mean, uh, I, again, we're, we're not in a recession yet. Uh, I don't think that drop was just because of shortages. And I do think that the auto manufacturers have uh, the wrong products in their pipeline. They'll have to switch much more quickly to electric if they can. Um, now, 
if we're right, then what we're going to see is prices coming down. Uh, you know, I think of Wiley Coyote um, running, running, running to catch up as businesses have, you know, only to look down because the demand is not going to be as high as businesses expected. We are already seeing some prices come down. When prices start going down, anyone who has excess inventory is uh, risking inventory losses, losing money on their inventories. So sometimes they will sell into that kind of price decline, exacerbating it. And I believe we're going to see a lot more of that. The one uh, price that I think is unnerving a lot of people is the oil price. It is threatening to go above its uh, 2018 peak, which was just about $77. I have been surprised before in other markets uh, by oil prices and how how uh, much they can defy fundamentals. Uh, 06, 2006 to 08, I think the oil price went from $60 to $130. And we were entering one of the worst periods of our financial lives. But one of the things that I've been uh, saying for quite some time is we do think the demand for oil globally has peaked. We think that it peaked in 2019. Uh, China's part of the reason. And then the other very important reason is the shift. And we think it's taking place at an accelerated rate uh, from gas-powered cars to electric vehicles. So on the demand side, we think demand is coming down for both cyclical and secular reasons. On the supply side, uh, we've got uh, some forces working against supply. Uh, so pension funds and activist investors are uh, basically uh, forcing a number of oil companies to cut their capital spending in the name of ESG, cut their capital spending on oil in particular. Now, uh, I've gotten a lot of flack for this on, uh, on Twitter because last year uh, I did say we think oil demand has peaked and that oil prices will come down. And uh, we absolutely do stand by that point of view. At the turn of the last century, whale oil was um, heavily used uh, for lighting and so forth. As oil discoveries were made, the writing was on the wall and whale oil manufacturers cut back on their capital spending. And so in the short term, that created huge volatility in the price. And I, I think we're probably seeing some of that now uh, for a similar reason. Uh, but at the end of the day, demand, uh, demand ruled and uh, the price did uh, implode. Uh, and we do think longer term that the oil price is on its way down. Okay. So that was a lot to take in. So let me lay out and clarify a few things where I think it'll help us as investors. The most important thing to realize is that if the market agrees on something like inflation or an oncoming recession, that's what's going to get priced in. If you have a very different view on the market than the majority and you're right, you're going to make a lot of money because you were correctly being greedy when everyone was being fearful or the other way around. That's why everybody knows about Michael Burry and his big short against the housing market. I'll get back to Michael Burry in a little bit. The big worry in the market right now is an oncoming recession, and falling retail sales is one of the indicators of economic decline. 
Unlike most people, Kathy Wood thinks that all this extra inventory isn't necessarily because of an oncoming recession, but because businesses double and triple ordered their inventories due to the surge of demand and lack of supply that came with the pandemic and the shutdowns. So now businesses have a ton of items they can't move, not because of a recession, but because a lot of households have extra goods that they're already stocked up on. Auto sales have dropped by recession-like levels as well, from 18 million cars sold to about 12 million at an annualized rate. For a while now, automakers have been blaming these same supply chain issues, like the chip shortage, for their lack of car sales. Again, Kathy Wood has a different take here, which has three important points. First, more people than usual bought cars during the pandemic to minimize their exposure to public transport. They collectively stocked up on cars. Those same people won't need a new car for a while, not only because they just bought one, but also because they're using their existing cars less often on average. Second, according to Elon Musk of Tesla, Lisa Sue of AMD, and the folks over at General Motors, the chip shortage is actually loosening up, since vendors are still getting those double and triple orders that they put in months ago, while consumer demand for these chips has already started to fall back to earth. That's important because it shows us as investors that the chip shortage isn't really a valid excuse for not selling cars anymore, and that something else must be going on. That something else is the third point, which is that whether somebody just purchased a new car or not, they could be delaying their next car purchase in an effort to buy an electric vehicle. That means legacy automakers may have the wrong products in their pipeline to begin with. We're not in a recession yet. Uh, I don't think that drop was just because of shortages. And I do think that the auto manufacturers have uh, the wrong products in their pipeline. They'll have to switch much more quickly to electric if they can. According to ARK Invest's latest research, people who are waiting so that they can buy an electric vehicle will be rewarded for their patience because EVs are already approaching the same sticker price as a similar gas-powered vehicle, and they could even be cheaper than one as early as 2024, which isn't too far from now when it comes to buying a car. The total cost of ownership of an electric vehicle is already cheaper than a gas-powered one thanks to lower maintenance costs as well as lower fuel costs. Speaking of lower fuel costs, one of the big things that people don't like about gas-powered vehicles is, well, gas. The experience of charging your electric vehicle is by no means perfect, but there are two big things that oil, and therefore gas, currently have going against them. First, besides being much more expensive per mile driven than electricity, gas is also much more volatile. No pun intended. As Kathy Wood pointed out, the cost of gas shot up during the financial crisis of 07 and 08, which was exactly the worst time for prices to increase on people's basic needs. You might as well be burning Bitcoin with how volatile gas prices can be. On the supply side, pension funds and activist investors are forcing companies to lower capital spending on oil because of ESG, which stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. So money is starting to leave oil out of concern for the environment, and investors want to see more capital spending on sustainable energy instead. So that's the stance in a nutshell. Most people think that there's a recession coming in general. Kathy Wood thinks it's the decline of gas-powered vehicles specifically. Tweet me at ticker symbol U with your thoughts on the current state of the legacy auto market. Do you drive a gas-powered vehicle or an electric vehicle today? Is your next vehicle going to be gas-powered or electric? Did you delay your purchase because you drive less or for another reason like affordability? Seriously, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Here's my take. Surprising absolutely no one, I agree with Kathy Wood. 
This is an anecdote, but I'm somebody who drives a fairly new gas-powered car today, and I really want my next car to be electric. I know that I can be patient on this big purchase because I don't have a commute anymore specifically and I don't drive too much today in general. Like many other people I know personally, I want a Tesla because I'm constantly seeing them make improvements to their hardware, their software, and their manufacturing capabilities, all while keeping their promise of being sustainably driven. No pun intended. That's one reason I make so much Tesla content on this channel. Two more reasons are the technology and economic factors this whole episode was about. If you're interested in learning more about Tesla's technology and economic tailwinds, I'm organizing and putting out a lot more content on it. There's just too much to touch on in a single episode. That's why I'm proud to say that this episode is sponsored by Public.com, an investing social network that I feel really brings together the best of both worlds. On the investing side, Public.com is free to use with no account minimum to get started and doesn't charge fees for standard trades, and they allow you to buy slices of stocks for as little as $1. Also, Public doesn't participate in payment for order flow, meaning they don't sell your trades to market makers or other trading firms. That's really important to me. I'm just as excited about Public's community, where I've been able to exchange investment ideas with thousands of other like-minded, long-term focused investors. Public often hosts live town halls with CEOs of publicly traded companies, as well as gives creators like me the tools to create and share meaningful investment content, like my article on Tesla's Gigafactory. So if you want to check out even more of my Tesla content, or you just want to know when I buy the stock myself, consider joining the hundreds of people that already follow me on public.com. I'll leave a link to my latest Tesla article in the description below. And whether you're looking for a new home for your own portfolio, or you just want to support the channel, you can go to public.com slash ticker symbol U, and you'll receive a free slice of stock worth up to $70 when you fund your account. That's a win-win if I've ever heard one. I'll leave a link to that exclusive offer for you in the description below as well. Now let's put this all together and talk about Michael Burry. One of the episodes in my Tesla playlist talks about Michael Burry's massive short position against Tesla. At one point, his puts against Tesla accounted for almost 40% of his hedge funds portfolio and had a market value of over $700 million if you go by the value of the underlying Tesla shares. I have a ton of respect for Michael Burry because he's the type of investor who thinks about the big picture while really digging into the details, just like Kathy Wood. In that episode, I pointed out that he made his bet against Tesla when it was at an all-time high, and that his time horizon for that bet must be short-term because there's no way he doesn't also see the writing on the wall for gas-powered cars in the long term. Well, guess what? Michael Burry says that he's no longer betting against Tesla. It was a trade, Burry said in an email exclusively to CNBC when asked if he was still shorting Tesla. Media really inflated the value of these things. I was never short tens or hundreds of millions of any of these things through options as was reported. The options bets were extremely asymmetric and the media was off by orders of magnitude. Where some of the confusion may lie is that each of the single options contracts is tied to 100 shares of stock. So theoretically, Burry's bet is tied to 1,075,500 shares of Tesla stock, and therefore his options bet had a notional value in the millions. I'm not trying to debate how much money Michael Burry's short position was actually worth, or even how much money he ended up making. My point here is that his short position against Tesla was something that a lot of bears pointed to when arguing against EVs in general and against Tesla specifically. While it turns out that his short position was very short term, 
and is apparently now closed. No matter how you look at it, everything in this episode boils down to exactly one thing. If you're still running on gas, you're running out of time. This is ticker symbol U. My name is Alex, reminding you that the best investment you can make is in you.